Hey, Charles, we're glad to have you, man. A good Christmas surprise. Amen. Uh, worship was just amazing. Amazing, absolutely amazing. And uh, because of God's presence that accompanied it. Amen. Just so amazing. Um, on the candlelight communion service, just to add to what Pastor John was saying, we're going to get you out of here at 6.30 now, so don't think it's going to be some uh, long, drawn-out service. We understand it. We, people got things to do that night as well. But we do want to honor God, and we want to acknowledge uh, uh, his birth, as, Joe, as Pastor Johanna said. So come and be with us from 6 to 6.30 on Christmas Eve. Uh, we've done that many times. Just have a wonderful time. We're going to sing songs, do communion together, and then we'll get you get you out of here. Amen? Um, today I want to uh, talk to you just from the title, Behold. And uh, it's just kind of been on my heart for a while. I've never really... Uh, done a whole exhaustive uh, uh, search of all that, but I just came across a few weeks ago that the word behold is used 1,400 times in the Bible. Do you realize that? That's amazing. Now, it's not always interpreted, uh, the word behold in English. Sometimes, like, uh, you'll see the word lo, L-O, where Jesus said, lo, I am with you always. It's the same uh, Greek word, same word that's translated behold. And so I remember when I was uh, getting my uh, bachelor's degree in the systematic theology, one of the professors uh, said, major on what the Bible majors on. In other words, don't go off, you know, just major on, if you see the Bible majoring on something or a word or a, a, a doctrine, major on those things because God's majoring on it. And that word behold, one thing that I, a uh, verse I quote around here a lot, we just go to John uh, chapter 1, verse 29. I'm just going to read one verse and then I'll let you be seated. Uh, but it's when John the Baptist, of course, is baptizing at the River Jordan. And he, by the Spirit, recognizes the Messiah, which is Jesus. And he says uh, that phrase in John 1 and 29, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, and he used that word, behold. And what it means is not hard. You already know. I hope you know. But it just means to gaze upon, to look upon, to focus upon. And so he's telling us to behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. One of my most favorite verses I quoted a lot here. Because you either believe Jesus did that or you, you believe he's got to come and do that. That he didn't do what he came to do. But he didn't come to take away the sin of people that confess their sins. He didn't come to take away just the sins of people that repent of their sins. He came to take away sin. The word sin there is not a verb. It's not a thing. It's not an action. It's a noun. It is, it is a thing. It's not an action. It's, a, it's, a, it's an entity. Uh, him who knew no sin became sin. Jesus didn't become sins, plural, actions. You know, well, I, I stole something, I sinned. No, no, he became that thing, that thing that... That, that, that blindness, that darkness, he became that so that we could become the righteous of God uh, that is in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. You may be seated this morning. Um, you know, sometimes, I feel like I just need to get this out of the way because I feel like it's kind of in my, in my uh, thoughts. And, uh, you know, sometimes, and if you've 
hung around me a long time, or if I've hung around you, however that goes, uh, you know, sometimes God, and I, I don't have this stuff figured out, man. I, I really don't have this stuff figured out. And what I mean by that, a lot of times on Saturday nights, I'll, I, will see, I will see things in, my, in, in, in a dream form. I don't necessarily I want to go to the vision. And I've seen some pretty amazing, amazing things, and I, I love that. Uh, but sometimes I've realized I don't know if they're actually, you know, people present in the service. Uh, I know some time ago I, I saw something on Saturday night. And I would, sometimes it's just time to pray for people, you know. But sometimes in the, in the dream, God makes it extremely uh, clear. Uh, I, I remember uh, years ago I was praying, and we were actually, uh, when I was pastoring at Cornerstone, we were keeping the Feast of Tabernacles. And, and uh, my wife, Pastor Keith, and several would remember uh, this, I'm sure, but but I was praying that day, and and you know, just trying to see God, just say, God, what you know, what 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 what's on your heart uh, for tonight? And I remember, uh, I, I I had that that sense and knowing. It's just hard to put this in words. You can tell I'm struggling here. But I saw God healing a little finger. Everybody, see, look at your little finger. See, we call, and this, that's the name of it, right? Little fingers, not your big finger. It's the little finger. And uh, so uh, I saw that uh, being healed uh, for someone didn't know who it was. And then the other thing that I uh, felt that God said, he said I, that, that there would be a healing of, of bones, uh, particularly bones that had been broken where plates and screws were involved. And I had never had any paradigm for that as far as seeing that in my ministry, you know, and and stuff, but how many knows God with that with God, you know, all things are possible. So I go to service that night and and I'm just dumb enough to speak that stuff out. And so which which one of those uh, healings do you think I went for first? Yeah, the little finger, right? And but that's kind of weird really because you know, but I knew I had the knowledge in the spirit to know that that was going to be in my service that night. That there would be somebody there with the little finger problem. And I just said, is anybody here, you know, having a pain or hurting or something wrong with your little finger? We'd like to pray for you. And I remember a lady immediately uh, raised her hand and, and said she had a problem with her finger. And, it, and so she came uh, forward and she said, I said, what's going on with it? And she said, I've been hurting. You know, it's not a debilitating thing. It doesn't make her not able to function, but it's just been a pain. You know, just a, an irritation almost, an aggravation. And she'd been hurting for like 30 days and, uh, and over a month with it. And so I said, well, let's pray and, and believe the Lord here. Now, I want you to understand the backdrop of this that may, may or may not help you. But at that time, my youngest son, we had just got the official diagnosis of, of uh, the uh, myocardial uh, hypertrophic myocardial uh, what you call it, Jill? Hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. I'm, a par I'm the paramedic. I should know, right? <clears throat> but what that big long word is just thickening of the, of the heart. And we'd had a lot of problems. I won't go into all that. And we'd, you know, Amlet's rides and uh, uh, been to it, Emory in Atlanta. And, and, you know, we didn't get a whole lot of good news. But thank God God brought him through all that. We had many days in ICU. I followed an ambulance with lights and siren all the way from Tifton to Atlanta with my son in the back. And none of that was fun. And it was a very, you know, traumatic season 
in our life. And of course, how many knows I had prayed to see my son totally healed of that, that problem. And so right in the middle of that season, I was right in the middle of that, that time with God that God speaks to me about a little finger and these, you know, bones and plates and screws. And it takes faith to just call that stuff out. I mean, you just call that out. And that's, that's part of the reason that God in 1 Corinthians 12 gives us gifts of the Holy Spirit. They're gifts. You don't earn it. I've never earned anything that God's given me. You know, it's just gifts. And he does it because he loves you. And, and he, he loves you guys. And, uh, and all God's ever trying to do with us is bring us to the point of faith in him. I, I told you last Sunday, it's not about you don't have enough faith. You know, you got a five-pound bag of faith, and you really need a 20-pound bag of faith. And, and that's how that's confusing. The church still thinks that way. They think, if I only had enough faith. No, it's not enough. It's the right faith in the right person, and it's faith in Jesus. It, it's not about when, when Jesus said, if you have faith, there's a mustard seed. He was not talking about there's mustard seed faith, and there's watermelon seed faith, and there's uh, corn faith, and I mean, none of that. You've got to get all that religious out of your head. That's not what he's talking about. He's actually, in that parable, he's telling you that it's not about the size of your faith. It's about whom your faith is in, and that's in him. You can't put your faith in Judaism. We talked about it last Sunday. You can't put your faith in religion. You put your faith in the goodness of God and God's love for you. And one of the ways that God, uh, you know, that we allow God, is, and it's really us allowing God because he gave the earth to men, but he allows, you know, that to flow through us, you know, through compassion. Me and my wife were talking about it. Why don't we see other people healed in this? And, and we're going to deal with some of those questions Wednesday night. Um, and, and Apostle Calloway and I will be here. And I've already got, we probably already have enough questions to take care of Wednesday night. And I'm thankful for that. You guys have already sent me some questions. And I love the easy questions you've sent. Like, you didn't send none easy. Thank you for that. <clears throat> And I told you, we're not really doing, you know, uh, question and answer. We're doing questions and responses. <laughs> I don't really do answers. I just do responses. You know, and sometimes my response is I don't know. Uh, and I'm good with that. But, but on that night at that service, you know, my mind was a lot on, you know, I want to see my son healed. And then here God speak to me about a little finger. And I thought that was pretty trivial. Here my son's got a heart condition, and he's talking to me about somebody got a little finger pain. I mean, how many knows God don't make sense a lot of times what he's up to? And so, but I pray for the lady, and, and she said in front of God and everybody and all of us that her pain immediately left her. She was, she was made whole. Y'all remember that? Y'all said she was well. So I thought, that's pretty cool. Uh, that worked. Let's go for the biggie. So I said, if, if you're here and you have problem with a fracture, you know, uh, I didn't know what the time frame was, but if you have a problem, with bones or, uh, you know, particularly with bones and where there's been screws and plates put in. Uh, I believe the Lord wants to heal you. And so I said, if there's anybody that meets that criteria, come. And I remember being surprised by, you know, maybe four or five people came forward. I didn't think there many people with bones and plates and screws in them, you know, but they came forward and they lined across the front. And uh, I don't even know that I laid hands on them. I believe in laying hands. I, we just prayed for them to be healed. Now, the background of this story, which I had no knowledge of, is that I had a lady in my church that I knew extremely well, but had many, many years prior to, like eight years, <clears throat> she had uh, uh, broken her ankle and uh, actually tripped uh, and broke her ankle very severely, had to have surgery. So they put a titanium plate uh, to fuse her ankle bone together, and they put eight 
uh, I guess they matched it with titanium screws. Is that how they do that? So they put those screws and plates, and they, you know, and her foot lost the ability to plantar flex. And so that's, you know, when you can wave at somebody with your foot. That's called plantar flexion. So she lost the ability to do that because the bones were fused. But she, when, so when she would go upstairs, she would bring the foot that's still plantar flexed first and then bring the one that's stiff behind it. You, you get the picture? You don't need me to walk it on the stairs to demonstrate, right? You got it? So that's how she went upstairs and went, you know, went upstairs into her home and stuff like that. And she'd been living like that for eight years. And uh, for, for years, however long. But one thing had started, uh, one thing had happened is she had had, I forget if it was a knee or hip replacement in her body. She had had that done. Of course, that's an orthopedic guy doing that. And so at the end of her time with that, and the, and the orthopedic surgeon is releasing her from whatever other procedure she had had done, uh, she brought up to him about her ankles, her ankle, and she said, can you take these plates? Apparently, he was the same orthopedic surgeon that had done all that. She said, can you go in and take these plates and screws out where my foot will move like it's supposed to? And he says, uh, I can surely go in and take out the plates and screws because your bones and all have grown back together and fused together. But that's not going to give you the plantar flexion again. You've lost that. Everything's locked in in that position. And she said, I was wondering if you could get the plates and screws and if that would make the swelling problem I have go away. She said, a lot of times my feet swell, that one, my ankle swells on that side, and it doesn't allow me to wear the shoes that I like to wear because uh, of the swelling. And uh, she said, I was just wondering, now her husband's right by her side while she's talking to the orthopedic guy. And she, he said, she said, I was just wondering, you know, I just wanted to ask you about it while I was here. And he said, no, you know, he said, we, we don't need to bother with any of that. He said, taking those plates and screws would not be worth the pain it would take, the, you know, he said, we don't want to do that. And she said, okay, I just wanted to ask the question. Well, she just asked that question a couple of days prior to being in that service with me, and with us. And she's a member at our church. And so, she, so I want you to see that. that we, I had no clue of that. But she's with the North Peter. She asked him the question. Husband's there. So then they go to church a couple of nights later, and, and here's pastors talking about plates and screws and difficulty with it. And so she's a very shy lady, so she didn't come forward. It's okay if you don't come forward. God knows where you're sitting. He's got your seat number, okay? <clears throat> and uh, so she didn't come forward because she's just kind of, you know, personality is not to do that. And, uh, but her husband elbowed her and said, he's talking about you. Get down there. And she said, she said the Lord can heal me right where I'm standing, right here. So, you know, they're having a husband and wife, you know, we chat like that. You know, he'd, he'd get down there, and she said, no, Lord, heal me right here. So I ain't going down there. And so she didn't come for prayer. So I don't know about none of this, okay? I don't know about any of this. Just going on, I don't know the background, I don't know any of that. I don't even remember her breaking her foot. I don't even, I don't even remember none of that. Um, so, uh, but she said when she said that, and then I just prayed a prayer, I think a general prayer over those people that were standing there. But she said when I prayed, and she said that out of her mouth, the Lord can heal me here. She felt tingling and heat in that ankle. And she didn't tell her husband. Because, again, she's a pretty private person. She didn't say anything. But she could feel something going on. But you know how it is when you've had something bothering you a long time. You, you don't want to get your hopes up. You don't feel like it. That's a wrong saying. You do want you to get your hopes up, but the world tells you don't get your hopes up. <clears throat> and so she don't know what all that means. And so they leave the service. They drive home. They get out, 
he goes in, their little routine is drink a cup of coffee late at night because he said it actually helps him sleep. It don't make you get, keep you awake. And he said, that's just a lie. It's a myth that y'all, y'all buy into and he don't buy into it. So he always has a cup of coffee at night before he goes to bed. So he said, I'm going in and put on some coffee. And, and she said, well, you go on in and do that. I'm going to pet the dogs or cats or whatever it was, some of the, their animals. And she said, I'll be in. Well, he goes in, gets a pot of coffee going. And y'all got time for this or I, y'all need me to preach or something? Or y'all, y'all good with this? <clears throat> Some of y'all look like I, you, you ain't getting your money's worth or something. <laughs> uh, so he goes in, puts on the coffee, and then, you know, she doesn't ever come in. You know, a few minutes go by, I don't know, five, ten minutes. So he comes out, opens the door, and sticks his head out, and he hollers her name and says, what are you doing? And she says, uh, watch this. So I've been to their home many times. they got high steps going up into the house, house that's way up off the ground. So she said, watch this, and she come up the steps normal. Now, he knows his wife, and he knows everything about her. And she, did, she wasn't bringing up the good foot and then bringing the other one up stiff. She just went up just like a normal person. And then she went back down the steps, and then she went up again. Now, at this point, he realizes she got healed. He starts crying. She's crying. They go in the house. You feel that right now that's happening on you? You feel them goosebumps? How many feels that right there? That's the Holy Spirit right there. And what the Holy Spirit's doing for you right now in your, in your physical body is saying, listen to that guy's telling what I did. I'm giving a testimony, which is the spirit of prophecy, and I'm prophesying Jesus moving in your life right now. That's what the testimony of Jesus, Revelation said. The testimony of Jesus, that is the spirit of prophecy. So we're prophesying, and it's literally, God, do it again. Do it again. And it don't have to be ankles. It can be hard. It can be anything. Man, I love when God does that. Thank you, Papa. Thank you for blowing whatever you do to make us our, our body. Goosebumps, we call it. God bumps, right? I love that. Isn't that so cool? How could I hack you time that? That's God. That makes me want to kiss him right in the mouth when he does it. <laughs> Ooh, he is so real. And he loves you so much. So I don't know none of this. I'm at home in the bed. I don't know nothing about none of this that's going on. And here's the folks, and, I, and, and they, they just have a time. And in the morning, I, I'm in the shower, and the phone rings like 8 o'clock or something, and I'm like, who's calling this early? You know how that goes. Like, who's calling? You're supposed to respect the nines. Don't call before 9 a.m. and don't call after 9 a.m. Come on, people. I'm like, come on, respect the nines, you know? And here we're getting a call, and I'm like, who is that? And she said, and she told me who the name was on the thing, and, uh, and, but didn't leave a message, you know. And then and, and about 30 minutes later, called back again, and I got the phone. <clears throat> and then the husband's on there, and he tells me this whole story that I've just told you, with the exception of, he said, Brother Dale, and he told me all that happened. Told me what had happened with the orthopedic surgeon that she had just asked him about that. And then I go and mention plates and screws, and now she can move her ankle. And, and, and see, the question I always get asked when I give his testimony is, what do you think? Do you think plates and screws are gone? or what do you? Who cares? The foot's working good. That's all that matters. I, I, it don't matter. Uh, people, I always got some, I, I wonder if she'd just get that x-ray. We could, Man, please, stop all that. Just rejoice in the healing. <clears throat> he said, you know, Brother Dale, he said now, and he was like a little kid, and he's much older than me. He's like a little kid that day on the phone. And he said, Brother Dale, you know, you just don't see this. But you see it, but you just don't see it. But you see it. He kept, doing, he kept saying that, like a crazy person. 
He said, you know, you just don't see this, but you see it, but you just don't see it. I know, I know. <laughs> he said, you know, we stayed up about most of the night. He said, we, he said, we stayed up, and we would cry, and then we would praise the Lord, and then we'd cry again, and then we'd dance around in the living room, and then we'd cry again, and then we'd try to go to bed, go to sleep, and we just laid there and laughed, and we couldn't even get no sleep. I was like, man, that is awesome. But yet in my own heart, I'm thinking, that's wonderful, God. That is amazing. But what about my son? How about helping, helping us out here? Isn't that terrible that you would go there? <laughs> but I'm like, so here you are, Papa. You're healing of a little finger. And there's always messages in the miracles. There's always messages in the miracles. And, I, and, and if there was a message, and I'm not sure I got it right, but it would be God said, I'm concerned about everything about you. If you, if all the, if your most littlest things, that's little to you, that you don't even think they're worthy for you to pray about, I care about. If it bothers you, it bothers me. If, if you care about it, I care about it. The hairs of your head are numbered. And God says, it doesn't matter if it's a little finger or something as complicated as titanium screws and plates. My healing is for you. And I want to I want to hear. Amen. And, and and see, I've lived, and I can just stand here all morning. I give you testimony after testimony. I've lived that kind of life with, with Papa. I've lived that life with him. And he don't follow my script. And I don't have all the answers of why this one. But I want to tell you something. It's not God arbitrarily deciding. I do know this. It's not God saying, Well, I'm going to heal this one, but I'm not going to heal these five. Because that's not who God is. And God has never behaved that way. And how do you know God had never behaved that way, Pastor? Because I've seen Jesus, and I saw him in the Scripture. And you show me one person that came to Jesus that needed something, physical healing, whatever kind of, whatever healing it was that he sent away not healed. I'm awaiting. I'll take a drink while y'all try to figure out where it's at in the Bible because it ain't in there. Show me somebody... <clears throat> That, that, that didn't, I mean, this show me somebody he sent away sick. That he said, man, it's not your day. Oh, uh, no, let me see. He said, I don't do what I see the Father doing. And best I can tell you, you, I, you it ain't, you're not on the list today. Huh. Do you know that there's a woman that had an issue of blood for 12 years? She had menstrual bleeding for 12 years, rendered her ceremonially unclean. She couldn't go to church. She couldn't do anything. Without any knowledge, in other words, when Jesus walked the earth in a human body, he did not know everything. He was fully human. He was fully God, but he didn't avail himself of his divinity because if, if Jesus knew everything when he walked the earth, then you cannot call him, you and I cannot say he's my example because you and me don't know everything. We have to live by faith, not by sight. This woman presses through a crowd, touches the hem of his garment. Virtue, which means power, healing power, came out of Jesus' body, and he did not know who touched him because he's not playing games, and he's not doing religion, and he's not doing church anity, and he's not lying. All Jesus knew is he felt something. You know, he felt somebody make a withdrawal, right? So he stops, and he says, who touched me? The reason he asked it, y'all, is because he didn't know. Now, do y'all need me to go through the scriptures to prove to you Jesus didn't know everything? I mean, he didn't know everything. When he was 12, he grew in wisdom. How can you grow in wisdom if you know everything? Right? 
uh, the disciples asked Jesus point blank, when is the, you know, the, the, the end of the age? Jesus said, I do not know. Was he lying? So there he didn't know. He said, I do not know. He said, only the Father knows, and he was specific, not even the Son knows, but only the Father. Again, proof text, he did not know everything. Would you stop pretending that Jesus knew everything and that you can't do what Jesus did? Because if you don't see that Jesus was fully human and in flesh, then you'll never attempt to do the things that Jesus did. And Jesus promised in John 14 that the works that we see him do, shall we, that he does, that we'll, we'll do those same miracles. We'll do it. We'll do it. And, and so, you, but you got to believe that or you won't never even jump out the gate. You won't never try. You won't even start. And so when Jesus said, who touched me? And, and they said, what do you mean? You know, everybody's touched you. <laughs> this is a throng. This is a mass of people. Jesus said, no, no, I ain't talking about that. I'm talking about I felt virtue go out of me. So the woman standing right there, she knew in her body at that moment that she was healed. And then she just, you know, very timidly confesses, I, I'm the one that touched you. And Jesus just blessed and loved the fire out of her. That's all he did. Um, so why am I doing all this? I actually got a nice sermon there printed out. I should be preaching, but I don't feel like it. Uh, it's close to Christmas, so I don't feel like it. Uh, but I want you to know how much God loves you. And, and it seems like I've been inundated lately with a lot of calls and a lot of people that are really sick and having a lot of physical problems and a lot of things going on. One of the precious members we got here is Connie uh, Powell. And Miss Connie, last Sunday, she was in the hospital. Uh, I, I didn't even realize that. And Jill and I went and seen her. She's a precious lady. I, I hope she's watching on Facebook. I love you, Connie, if you're watching. And I love you if you're not watching. Uh, but uh, but uh, uh, she's had something that she hadn't had, you know, be in her physical body. I don't even know the, the wording is too big even for me to remember. But it doesn't matter. It matters what's going on. But it's problems with her being able to walk and function, and, and it's something that she, you know, the, we thought, Lord, eight, eight or ten years ago just was gone. It has been. And now all of a sudden it's trying to make a re-entry back into her life and body. So, Father, right now in Jesus' name, we just lift Connie Powell before you, and this has tried to come back upon her. We still counted an enemy of the cross, and by your stripes she was healed. And if she was, she is. And so in Jesus' name, we declare and we come in agreement with your word for you have sent your word and healed them. So we declare that you are the word that heals and we declare that you are Jehovah Rapha, the Lord our God that healeth us. And we declare healing and we speak healing to Connie Powell right now in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Now, whatever you're going through, the Lord's a healer. He's always been, he always will be. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I've seen God do amazing things. And I love to tell those stories because they're real and it boosts your faith. And that's all God's wanting you to do. And the reason the gifts of the Spirit operate, sometimes that God gives me supernatural revelation about what people are going through because they know that I would have no way of knowing that. And, 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 it, and it causes their faith to arise up, not in me, but in Him. They're like, the Lord has revealed to that guy about me, so he must be, and then that's what God wants, and then they connect up to it, and that virtue can be transferred into their body. And it's actually God's going against that physical, the natural laws with supernatural laws, and he's reversing that thing, and he's bringing healing in the body. And sometimes it's not some, I've heard people run around that ain't never seen it, uh, nobody healed. 
that's claimed to be act like they know something and said, if the Lord was doing it, it'd be 100%, it'd be permanent. I mean, you don't even know what you're talking about. And you need to read the Bible. There was a man that was blind. Jesus went to this blind man, and, and the blind man was crying out to Jesus to be healed. And, and, and so the Bible says, that it's in the Gospels, Jesus took the man. I always thought it was interesting. He took him by the hand, and he led him out of the city limits. He led him out of the city. Well, why you won't be dragging a blind man out, out of the city limits? Just heal him right there. Atmosphere matters, y'all. Atmosphere matters. Remember when Jesus went into the little damsel, the little 12-year-old girl, and, and uh, you remember that his, her dad went and, and besought the Lord to come? And uh, Jairus, remember? And he said, my daughter is lying at the point of death. Would you come? And while they were talking, uh, they came, sent messengers, said, don't bother, she's already dead. Jesus looked at, he didn't say nothing to the doubters. He just looked at the daddy and said, all things are possible to them that believe, only believe. In other words, Jesus would literally say and ignore them people, <laughs> ignore all that negative doubt stuff, and just stay on the mission that you're on. And so it was, in fact, on Jairus is the one that went and got Jesus. Jesus is on the way to Jairus' house when that woman I just told you about through the crowd see sometimes when you're going after your need you'll actually be dragging Jesus along with you and other people will be healed touched and blessed right <clears throat> so they go there Jesus gets there in the house it's packed out with people and mourners and people wailing because they didn't do the long funerals like people do you know they, they buried them that very day that was the way Jewish culture was. So they had to get their mourning. I don't mean this sarcastically or nothing. It's just a, uh, it's a historic fact. They had to get their mourning done quickly and rapidly and intensely. And so those Jewish families that could afford it would hire whalers, whalers. Now, if you even see the news on Middle East now, if someone dies, you'll see those women and those whaling. That's part of their culture. And they just dramatically wail, and they'll fall over the coffin, and they'll wail. And the more whalers you got, the more prominent that you are perceived to be as a family. So they would hire flute players and instrument players and whalers, and that's what would, the noise was just, you know, intense. Because Jairus is a very influential, rich person. And so Jesus goes there, and, and they're, they're wailing, and, and, you know, the crowd is there. And so Jesus walks in, and there's people everywhere, you know, like the girl's dead. She's laying in the bed, and, they're, you know, they're all working the funeral. <clears throat> and Jesus looks and says, uh, the damsel is not dead, but merely sleepeth. Anybody remember this stuff? And the Bible says that they laughed him to scorn. That's not a casual... <laughs> That is a in-your-face, you-are-a-crazy-person laugh. Scornful, mocking laugh. And when they did that, you know what Jesus did? He said, oh, y'all, get out. See, y'all don't like this part of Jesus, but I do. He said, don't let the door hit you with a split you. Come on. When my daddy split you, go on and get out. Oh, y'all. Your flute players, your whalers, all y'all hit the bricks. Religious people hate that. How dare he? I've never. Well, you now get out. And, and the Bible says, when he, Jesus, had put them all out, he allowed no one to go with him into that room where the dead girl laid. But the mom and the daddy... 
because that's where that compassion is going to hook up. Peter, James, and John. Do your math, that's how many? That's the number of grace. That's your five-fold ministry, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. That's five is the number of grace, biblical numerology, and grace is just to happen. And he looks at her and he speaks Aramaic, which is his language of the day, and that was the language of the common people. Common people didn't speak Greek. They spoke Aramaic. And Jesus said, Talitha kumai. Talitha kumai, which is damsel arise. She got up because God called her to get up. And she sat up on the side of the bed, and Jesus said, y'all get her some Cap'n Crunch and let her be eating breakfast before I open this door. Because when I open this door and let all them religious people back in here, they going to say that she's a spirit or she's a ghost. And I want them, them to see her eating breakfast so they'll know she's not. Because no ghost to eat breakfast. Right? And that's what they did. God is so amazing of how he, he reaches us and reaches for us. Last night, and, and I'm going to do this just the way, I'm just going to do this. I, uh, I did this one time a few months ago, and I had somebody like a month later uh, email me that that's, I was who they were talking about. And they, wasn't, they don't even live here, but they heard it on the podcast. So I'm cool. I don't care what Papa's up to, and he don't have to give me all the fine print. So I don't know. But uh, your name is Joyce. Um, Lord, the Lord is really, uh, he, he just, he, he, he talked to me about you last night. So you're a lady. Your name is Joyce. Anybody named Joyce is here? Anybody named Joyce here? Okay. I didn't feel like they were, but I just felt like I was supposed to. Now, a lot of times, if this happens to me on Tuesday night, all I do is roll over and pray for them. But if it happens to me on Saturday night, I go, now, Papa, what are you up to? Is Joyce going to be in there in the morning? And I asked him that, you know, early this morning. He didn't say nothing about it. He's not a big jabber jaw. He don't talk a lot, but when he does say stuff, it's pretty cool. But so I said, Papa, is Joyce going to be there? And he didn't say nothing, so I didn't figure she was. Most of the time, he'll tell me, yeah, she's going to be there. Of course, I always pray. I want him to show me a video of them, you know, like a picture. And he's done that before. But anyway, so, Joyce, when you hear this, you have connections in Florida. You live in Georgia. Uh, you've been extremely hurt. I saw a rectangle box, and on each end of the box was all type of wiring and configuration of wires and, and like a motherboard-looking stuff. And you was trying to fix it. And what God did is he took that rectangle box and he turned it completely around. And he was working from the other end and he totally, completely fixed it. And God says, because you don't have to fix it, but you've been trying. And you've been trying really hard to fix it. And he has seen your broken heart and he has seen where you've been wounded and hurt. And the Lord says, now I'm fixing it. And you're in the moment in the right now of the right now with God. To see and, and, and experience that fixing and that healing and that radical transformation that God is bringing about in your life and in the life of those people in that connection that you have in Florida. And that's a word from the Lord to you. Amen. And, and how many of you just say, God bless Joyce? Now, I saw other people that somebody uh, were dealing with uh, issues from a stroke. Had a stroke and there's issues from that stroke. 
Anybody matches that here? Stand up. Just stand where you are. Anybody, you've had a stroke, minor stroke, major stroke, any kind of stroke, and you, and you need healing in your body. Anybody? Stand up. There you go. All right. Who else? Any kind of stroke deal. As they say, well, you got a stroke and it's affected things. Okay? Okay. Man, I forgot that you had that years ago, something that happened. And it was a stroke, wasn't it? See there? As good as I know you, see how I can't remember stuff. Look at there. Ooh. And so Papa's sitting to heal right here because he loves you guys. He loves and heal this sister, heal this, uh, these precious people. So whatever your effects in your body, that, that, that stroke, that residual effect from that stroke, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we call that healed now because you have identified it. What you reveal, you heal. And so in the name of Jesus, for every one of these precious people, I release, Father, your compassion to flow through our heart for you and your goodness. And I declare healing in the bodies of these precious people. And the, whatever the stroke did, we, re, we called for the power and the virtue of the Lord Jesus to reverse that in their bodies and for them to have no residual lasting effect in their bodies and for recovery and restoration, for that is their portion today in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. I believe it. I believe it. For all of you, all of you. Amen. Whatever's going on in your body that's not right, that needs healing, if you can, you may not can, but stand if you need healing right where you are. You precious, precious people. Jill was asking me, what was it, baby, a couple of days ago about, we, I got a little family member, little, little, little feller named Hudson, and he was born with great difficulty. He's my, he's my sister's grandbaby. He's my nephew's son. They just had another son, praise the Lord, but little Hudson's a couple years old. He has had a time. I've asked the Lord many times, show me how to heal him in your name. Jesus didn't say pray for the sick. He said heal the sick. That bothers religious people. Jesus didn't say pray for the sick. The only people he told pray for the sick was elders. He says elders, when they call for you, you anoint them with oil, pray the prayer of faith. The Lord shall save the sick and raise them up. If they've committed sin, that won't be no blockage for me. Well, they are forgiven. So God don't want people when they're trying to get healed to be worried about what they've done right or wrong. What you've done right is just a hindrance to the healing as it is what you've done wrong. That's got nothing to do with nothing. It's by his stripes, period, that you're healed. It don't matter if you saved a sinner. I've seen God heal people that consider themselves lost as a goose in the world. Blaspheming God. I've seen God heal prostitutes and stuff and just heal them and they wasn't even you know, technically saved. Yeah, you saved because Christ is in you. You just don't know it. You just got to awaken to that truth. So, Father, these are your precious people. These are your sheep. I'm just an under-shepherd under you, the chief shepherd. But you told us to do this, and so we do it gladly. We do it with faith in your goodness. 
And Father, with your compassion, when you saw people that was in trouble, it says you were moved with compassion. And so now compassion is our portion today as we are moved with your heart towards these people. And whatever they need in healing, it's already been paid for, and the price has already been paid. And by your stripes, they were, not, not will be one day, but they were healed. And they were healed because you bore the stripes for our infirmities and our weaknesses and our sicknesses and our diseases. And so we count all those diseases and things that are wrong in their body as an enemy of the way you designed us to live and be. And we declare life and life to the fullness. And we rebuke the pain and we rebuke the trauma. And we rebuke the disease in Jesus' name. And arise, Lord, now with healing in your wings. And let them be healed from this moment forward. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You, you may be seated. Amen. So I didn't feel nothing. It don't matter. I've done a lot of stuff in life. I didn't feel nothing. I've learned that it doesn't matter about why you feel. It only matters who your faith is in. I love it when God heals people instantly. They feel the tingling, the heat, whatever they describe. It's just awesome. In my own personal life, most of my healings have come without me even knowing it. As far as a feeling, peripheral feeling or anything. I had a problem one time for many, many years with my one of my ankles. This right one it was so bad. I had a problem with both of them. And I mean, I went years with problems. And it got where I couldn't do what I'm doing now, stand on my feet without intense pain. Can you imagine a preacher that can't stand up and preach? Well, that was happening to me. And, uh, and so I went to, to everybody. <laughs> I went to a podiatrist and... Uh, and, and let them do all that they, about a year I spent with a podiatrist doing, trying different stuff and different therapies and, and different braces and, and stuff and, and medicines. And, and I, I was none better, as the scriptures say. And then I changed over to an orthopedic surgeon uh, in Tifton that I knew very well. And I went to, to him, uh, Dr. Jim Scott. And I went to him and said, Dr. Scott, I'm, I'm hurting so bad, man. And he made his diagnosis, did the x-rays, and told me what was wrong, particularly with the right one. He said, now, it's gonna, if you do everything I say, this is how he said it to me, religiously, uh, you, you, in other words, you got to do it like I say now. But if you, if you do the therapy, if you do the medicine and stuff, and do the physical therapy, then you may begin to experience uh, you know, the pain going away, but it's going to take about six months. But you're going to have to do every, what I tell you now, you're going to have to do it every day. And then he said, every night, you got to sleep with this foot cast because you got to keep your ankle at a 90 degree thing. You can't be all this doing this because that makes you worse. And that's why when you get up in the morning, you put your feet on the floor, you hurt so bad. And you're like a tin man trying to get going all rusted up, you know. He said, so you got to sleep with this cast on. Now, that cast was really, you know, it was a plastic, but you had the Velcro stuff. And it, it, I, I didn't like sleeping with that. And Sister Jill really didn't like it because I'd roll over in the middle of the night, and now she's having ankle problems. But from me hitting her ankle with my big old cast, you know. And uh, so we, we, it just wasn't a fun season. So I go to church on a Friday night, 
And all my elders knew about it. And I didn't talk to the church about it a lot. I didn't want them to know that. I don't never want y'all to know that you preachers having a lot. I don't care if you know I'm a human. But like when I had open heart surgery, most of you didn't even know it until you got that letter from me on Wednesday when I had open heart Wednesday morning. I just don't want you to think, well, I'm having a hard time listening to this guy. He might drop dead up there while he's preaching. I just don't want to be that guy, okay? <clears throat> and so, so I, I wasn't, the whole church didn't know about my ankle deal, but there was a few that did. And, uh, and I had had prayer. I prayed their prayer. I, I, you know, I'd, I'd done all I knew to do, and I wasn't getting no better. And this is a drug on now for about three or four years and two years of intense pain. So I'm, I'm having this trouble. And also on Friday night, uh, I was preaching, and I was preaching. Uh, um, what was I preaching about? Help me, Papa. But uh, you remember what I was preaching on? But because uh, there's some examples in the Bible, because Pastor Junior stood up and said, you're that guy. Uh, that I don't remember what the parable was or whatever it was. It don't matter, I guess. Uh, but he said, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're the guy you're preaching about. And uh, so I was in the middle of preaching, and Pastor Junior was sitting over here on this side, kind of right where Pastor Keith is. <clears throat> and he just stood up and said, uh, excuse me, Pastor. <clears throat> and I'm like, Junior, what are you doing, man? You lost your mind. I'm in the middle of a sermon here. He's like, you're that man that you're preaching about. Uh, and uh, he said, we're, we're supposed to pray for you right now for your ankle. Okay, okay, because a lot of people weren't there on that Friday night, you know, because people had to go to Walmart, you know, so you can't be at church and Walmart on Friday night, so we had a lot of, the, a lot of my church was at Walmart, so we didn't have a big crowd, so they said, and Junior said, well, I feel like we're supposed to uh, set a chair right down here, and you sit in chair, take your socks and, and, and your shoes and socks off, and let us anoint your feet. Well, immediately I got a problem, because I have very ticklish feet, and I don't like people touching my feet. So I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to allow all these people in here to touch my feet because I know I'm going to have some rubbers in there that's going to start rubbing my foot and all because some of them are going to be intense with their prayer for their pastor's foot and it's going to be hard for me not to be giggling while they're doing that and that's not going to be very holy. And I sat there and I do that and then as soon as I sat down I'm thinking about I hope I put on good socks and I hope the socks are good. I hope I don't have any lint between my toes and all because that's going to be nasty. I'd have, I'd have, you know, I'd have checked the feet a little closer if I knew I was going to be on public display here. See how those religious, you know, see how spiritual I was, my thoughts were? So I sat there, you know, get, get that foot uncovered, and here comes everybody, and, you know, they're putting anointing oil on their fingers, and everybody coming by. Now, some people I could tell, some of these people are like nice, nasty, what I call. They, they didn't want to touch my feet, no how, but they didn't want to be like they didn't care, so they just went, so I didn't get much anointing from them. And then I had a few that just grabbed it, and they just put oil, and they were just rubbing it. And I'm sitting there going, <laughs> Shikamo Suzuki Kawasaki. That's tongues if you don't know what I was doing. So we made it through. Right, when the last one prayed, and Pastor June said, okay, Pastor, how you, is it, you still hurting? And it hurt me so bad that if I, I could just touch it, and it would, it would hurt you. And if you accidentally crossed your legs and hit the desk, it'd about make you wet your britches. You know, it hurt that bad. Okay? That's what the pain level I was at. I hate to be so graphic. And, and so he said, how are you doing? So I'm not a faker. You know what I'm saying? So I reached down there and pushed on it. And, and he said, you still hurting? I said, mm-hmm, still hurting. 
I wanted to be able to say I ain't hurting. I like for the pain to have been gone. I would have took a couple laps around the church. You know, I mean, we would have hootenannied it up. But it, I just didn't do that. Now, I'm the guy that preaches healing, but I'm not experiencing it right now at the moment, at that, at that time. And then I go home, and I struggle with stuff like you. Do I take the medicine or not? I don't struggle with this stuff now, but I did back then because I've learned Papa's better than that, but I didn't know it then. So do I take the medicine? Because I heard if you take the medicine, you, then that's a lack of faith, and that will, you know, short-circuit my healing. And do I, do, I, do I put the cast on or not? If I sleep tonight with the cast, then I'm, what am I saying? I'm saying I didn't get nothing. But do I put the cast on or do I not put the cast on? Oh, I don't know what to do. You ever wrestle stuff like that? I'm glad I don't live in that world now, but that, that was the world I lived in back then 20 years ago. And, I, and so, I don't, you know, I think that first night I didn't put the cast on because I'm a man of faith. I got healed. Glory to God. God, the next morning couldn't walk good <laughs> at all because <laughs> that leg, that ankle was all flopping. So the next night I'm, I'm going back with the cast. I'm going to take the steroids. And I just decided if God's going to manifest it for me somehow or another, I don't know what's going on, who's, who, you know, whose fault it is, whatever. No, it ain't his, but I've I'm just, I got to be a function, though. So that's what I did. So I didn't feel, like, very great. Pastor Junior called me a few times, you know, over the next few weeks. Hey, Brother Dale, I just want to check in. How you doing? You, how's that ankle? I said, well, I'm still hurting, Brother Junior. He said, well, it's coming, brother. I'm like, well, it's been coming for three years. I mean, you know what I'm saying? And I don't know. I can't explain. I, I know you wait for this big answer. But I got up one morning, a few weeks afterwards, got up, put my feet on the floor, popped the cast off, stood up, no pain. Zero pain. Now, when you've hurt for three years and you don't got no pain, you recognize that morning. So I'm like, I'm working it a little bit because I'm going to get too excited here if, it is, if it's just a fluke. So I'm working it, totally healed. Totally healed. And it's been healed since then. Now, I want to tell you this. I've had a few times where it's tried to act up, you know, just a couple, though. I went down to, to uh, uh, it was, you know, I've given this testimony before. And sometimes, we, you know, we're in a kind of little war situation where the enemy don't like that when you tell, brag on Jesus. And, and where, it, you know, it's tried to, to uh, you know, I was at John Lewis's church, and I gave that testimony. And in that service that night at John Lewis's church, we had a little lady that was totally healed that night of AIDS. Had a death sentence on her. And God healed her in the service. And I was walking back to my truck parked behind Pastor Lewis's church, and that just like a knife stabbed me in that foot. And I just felt it. And I was like, and I hadn't had no pain in that foot in 10 years. And I was like, uh-oh. And for a second, you can feel that fear come on you. Uh-oh. But then I got in that truck, and I said, mm -mm, no, devil, you lying symptom, you. I am not accepting your, I'm not going to agree with you that I'm back in the valley here. I'm not doing it. Now, I would like to tell you that the pain instantly rolled out, and I went home without no pain, but it lasted for a few days. But I had to, I had to open my mouth and speak to that mountain. And so I encourage you with whatever you're dealing with, don't accept every symptom as bona fide result that nothing's happened. Or Don't do that. Just stand in faith. Agree with God. Walk it out.
trust the Lord and, 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 and walk in that recovery of that healing in your body. Okay? So I wanted to pray for you, but I wanted to end up with that little bit of instruction because sometimes you have to battle for this a little bit. And you just go, mm, I'm not accepting that. And that's not weird. It's just biblical. Now, Jesus prayed for that blind man. Remember the guy I told you he let out the city? So you thought I forgot about him. He let him out, and then he did this weird thing. It says Jesus spit in his eyes. Now, anybody having eye trouble, if y'all will come up here, I will spit in your eye this morning. <laughs> I will be totally biblical, accurate, right? <laughs> okay, so you read that stuff and you go, why would Jesus? Because couldn't I say I'm biblical? I'm just following the Lord's example. <laughs> here we go. Anybody need your eyes healed? Come on, get up here. What y'all waiting on? So I, always, I used to read that. Like, that's so weird, man. Even for Jesus, that's weird. Why would you spit in a guy? That can't be good. Who wants to be spit in their eye? And I didn't understand it for years. And I've asked Papa about that. What, what, I mean, why you did that? And then I read in the Old Covenant where people that were blind were perceived to be cursed by God. And it, God wouldn't curse them. God didn't do it. But the people in the Old Testament, they, they didn't understand. And God let them write, in, inspired that they didn't understand about him. That's why Jesus came, to reveal God to us. And, and they thought God was cursing these people, and they were cursed. And so, and, and, and so in that culture, they had a habit of, if they saw a person that was born that way, blind or something, they was always, remember those disciples, they said, who, who sinned that he was born blind, him or his parents? See, they always thought, they were always trying to get somebody to blame. And in that case, Jesus said, you, you don't, you're not dragging me into that. No, it's about them being healed. That's all it's about. But they thought they were cursed by God. And so under that culture, they didn't allow those people to come to the synagogue, to the, to the worship, if they had those problems. And then they would spit on them often. There would be people that would spit on them. And that spit in that culture was, with, in other words, we're agreeing with God. We're saying that we agree with God's indictment on you. There's something bad wrong with you. You're a sinner. Your parents sinned. You got a curse on you, so we agree with God. That's why when Jesus walked to Via de la Rosa going to the cross, the people spit on him because they were saying by their spit that we agree with Yahweh. You are cursed. Cursed is the man that hangeth on the tree. We, cur we agree with So they thought it was a good thing. We're agreeing with God. God's cursed you. We agree with God. That's what they were doing. So the reason Jesus took this man by the hand, he led him out of the city where he often, many times probably, that man had spent his life being spit upon by the religious culture of that day. And they say, we agree with God for your blindness. Can you imagine how that man felt, how he lived his life? The, 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 the trauma, emotionally. Jesus, I got to get you out of all this, man. Got to get you out of here. He took him by the hand. He led him away from all that mess. Got him out where he could just be by himself. And Jesus said, I don't want the last thing this man to remember is that he was spit upon as a curse from my father. So Jesus spit in his eye and healed him. And the last recollection that man ever had of spit was not curse but blessing. And it's just like my papa to take the very thing that the enemy tried to use as a curse and to accuse God to take that and heal you with it. Peter stood with a teenage girl around the coals of fire and denied I even know Jesus. And he cursed and said, I know not that man. And he would always remember the smell 
of that fire that night as he warmed himself and his failure and how he had failed the Lord miserably. And the smell of those briquettes, that burning coals, would never leave his nostrils. And every time he smelled a, a, a fire, it reminded him of his denial of the Lord Jesus. So what does Papa do? Jesus is standing there on the shores of Galilee. Peter has given up on his life of being a disciple. and He's gone back to fishing. He had good friends that said, we go fishing with you, brother. And they out there, and Jesus looks and says, Do you, have you caught anything? And they said, no. He said, cast your net on the right side. You'll catch something. And then John, not Peter, recognized that's the Lord. Peter says to John, really? John says, I'm sure that's Jesus. He takes off his coat. He says, I can't wait. The boat's too slow. And Peter dives out. That's just like Peter. And he outswam that boat. And when he got there, he found Jesus sitting there with the coal of fire burning. That's the way the Lord does. He reverses that stuff, man. And there was a coal of fire, and Peter smelled it. Like, I wrote, this is where I denied you. Jesus looks at him and not being religious or mean. He says, Peter, do you love me? Yea, Lord. You know I love you. Peter, do you really, really love me? Yea, Lord, I love you. Peter denied him three times. Peter confessed his love for him three times. Jesus throwed some fish on those coals and said, let's have breakfast. And he took away the smell. From that day forward, he could smell a fire burning, and it did not bring up the remembrance of his denial, but it brought up the remembrance of the acceptance of the Lord Jesus Christ to a person who had denied even knowing him. Can you say amen? Stand to your feet. Man, I love you guys. I think you can feel that. Compassion of God putting his arms around us today. Amen. How many is glad you came to church today? Man. Why ain't we running a thousand? I don't know. <laughs> we should be. <laughs> hey, guys, y'all come Wednesday night. We got some wonderful questions we're going to try to respond to. We love you. Come get a meal at 630. If you can't get here for the meal, come for the word at 7, whatever. We just We love you. And we're excited. We're looking forward to this season. Uh, you know, 18th, we're going to do that little Christmas thing. And, and uh, we, we love that time to get to, just to hang out, have a meal together, and, and just do that stuff. So it's a great time of the year. Amen. Hey, listen, let me hear about these healings, manifestations in your body, okay? It encourages me to know that we just followed Papa today, and we got to see him do wonderful things in your body and in your life. Amen. Go and sin no more. In Jesus' name, love you.